So what? We watch anime. So what? We play League. We're just having fun. We don't care who sees. So what? We stay in. It don't bother me. Living young, pale and nerdy. Hello and welcome to the Written Entertainment Podcast episode 293 for April 11th, 2021. My name is Nathan Reed Spruth. Joining me this week, we have uh, 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 Andrew Rowe McFain. <laughs> yes, I, 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 I stumbled on my words there a little bit. It's okay. I can, I can edit that out. Like I, I very yeah, obviously will edit. That. Yeah, and no, I, I wonder if, like in TV shows and YouTube, they're like, edit this part out, edit this part out. If if they ever actually do that, if they ever actually edit that part out, because they never seem to. Yeah, everyone always leaves it in, and it seems like it's for a joke, but maybe it, in reality they're they're doing it on purpose. Or that might on, be. On accident. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's it. So, Andrew Roe McFain, my, may I ask you where we can find you? Uh, you can go to the, the good old Aruda website. Uh, we've we've returned from the uh, the Easter theme that definitely was on there at some point. Um, yeah, are you Got gonna all the, all the links? Are you gonna what? start up a BBS on there? Um, I don't I don't think I can do that. Wonder if you could. I wonder if you could make it work. You probably, I mean, you probably could. You could probably make it work, but there'd be no reason to do that. Uh, you're right. It'd be like every other community-based thing that I've ever tried to do uh, where no one would use it. I am, I'm honestly, like, I know it's it's still small and there's not a lot of activity, but I'm actually kind of surprised with how much activity I have on my Discord. Yeah, I know, right? The The general tab actually has use. Yeah, it's weird. Like... The other tabs are are more selective, but yeah, like you can you can join my Discord. I don't even think it's in the links below. Uh, but anyway, uh, what was I gonna say? I was gonna ask you what games you have played this this last week. Um, so I've uh gotten into emulation again for a short time, at least. Just kind of felt like it, playing a bunch of bunch of random older games that just kind of seem interesting um retroarch has made a lot of progress since i last tried to use it to any degree um like the menu system in particular as much as i like the cross media bar uh it doesn't really work well with the pc input um the new uh I think it, it it might be called like Opus or something like that. Starts with an O. Can't think of it. But uh, the new UI it works really well with mouse input, um, and it works just as well with a controller. And like the fact you can you can like open a little overlay in the middle of the game to adjust settings and like input options and stuff. Like it's it's pretty great. I know a lot of people are kind of down on RetroArch because. The front end has a bit of an overhead to it. Uh, some of the cores aren't as up to date as if you use the original project directly. Um, it basically doesn't support PS2 like at all. 
They no, um, actually, actually, I want to interrupt you. Uh, they just released a new version of the PS2 emulator, PCSX2, for RetroArch. Oh, okay. Because like, yeah, like I, they they had been using Play for a long time, and it was garbage. I literally this morning watched a video um, with a guy who was going through how to set up PCSX2 for RetroArch. It's in beta, so there's issues, uh, as there typically will be, and it would still be better to use the standalone version, but uh, the option is available now. Pretty tight. Because, like, it is really satisfying to be able to go through, because I have a lot of uh old games on a network drive it's really nice to be able to to just scroll through all of that uh with other emulation options that i have used particularly RetroPie, that is not easy to set up at all and uh retroarch does it handles everything really well to the point i'm probably going to try putting laka on uh, my raspberry pi and see how that goes because well, I have uh, some is, confidence. Isn't RetroPie just RetroArch? I thought it no, was. No, it is, it is Emulation Station. Oh, um, okay, okay. It uses an Emulation Station front end and then just a whole bunch of emulator cores in the background. Now, some of them might be RetroArch uh, forks of emulation cores, but it, it does not actually use RetroArch. If you want RetroArch on your Raspberry Pi, uh, and you want it all in like a nice pre-done package, uh, you want LACA. That is, that is retro, uh, retro, libretro's um, project for that. Where it's, I am, it's just an image that you can throw on there. I am hoping that they have retro, or not, not the, the next Raspberry Pi, because right now they have the Raspberry Pi 4. And I hope the Raspberry Pi 5, when it comes out, uh, upgrades the GPU because right now, I believe that the GPU is very similar between the three and the four. Uh, so while the the processor is way better and it supports sixty four bit operating systems, it's still not great for playing anything beyond like PlayStation or N sixty four. And I would really yeah. like to see. Oh, and it's first off, it struggles with N sixty four games. Like, there are some that work, well, a lot that just part, don't really. Part of that, though, is just that N64 emulation is very, very rough. Yes, it is. But even on, even on my PC, I have a lot of trouble running N64 emulation. Now, that's with Moop N64+. Plus. I haven't tried Project 64, because uh, that's not in uh, RetroArch. But... That's so weird. Project 64 is like the the best from what i understand but i don't think it's open source that would do it that would do it yeah but i would like to see so i would like to see the next version have an upgraded graphics core that or graphics processor for the raspberry pi that could play like i'm not crazy i'm not thinking it's going to be able to do like xbox 360 or anything but it would be nice to see them be able to run like playstation 2 games even if it's at native resolution uh dreamcast pretty well because right now it can kind of run dreamcast but not great um dreamcast emulation is also pretty like iffy it's not it's not anywhere near as bad as in 64 uh but 
Like, I, I can't imagine that's going to be too easy, no matter what setup you have on, yeah. a, on a little SMB like that. But um, also, and GameCube. Those, those are the ones I want. I want it to be able to go into that generation where you yeah. can run Game... Because GameCube emulation is so good right now. It's so yeah. good. Yeah, Dolphin is, Dolphin is without a doubt, like, probably the best emulator, like, ever. Yeah, because it, 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 it was amazing. Before it was shut down, you could even a- access the eStore. We did a story about it. You could ac- yeah. access the eStore and actually buy games off the Wii. Um, I'm sorry, we, we got a little off track, but... Uh, <laughs> RetroArch. You're still talking about RetroArch. Uh, I assume that after this podcast, you're going to go and download the PCSX2 core. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I want to try that out because, um, like I said, I tried using Play once, and it was, <laughs> uh, so I really want to see how how that goes. Um, that said, uh, I have used PCSX2 directly recently. Uh, actually downloaded a beta version uh, a few days ago uh, to try to play uh, Robot Alchemic Drive. And uh, th- that game has frame rate issues on actual PS2 hardware, but um, it's even worse in uh, in PCSX2. Like, it, to the point that it's not actually, like, it's not it's not emulated frame rate issues. It's that the emulator can't handle what's going on because you can see a little performance thing going down. I don't know why that still is a thing because I don't understand how emulation works, but kind of annoying. And the main reason why we have to we have to preserve video games through hardware emulation. And uh, you know, where's uh where's my Where's my FPGA PS2? You know, where's that? The problem with that right now is I've actually, <laughs> I've actually watched videos on it. Is that FPGAs currently are not powerful enough to yeah, emulate that would be to, very to, difficult. to do the simulation of like PS2 and stuff. They say, uh, kind of the latest that they think that they can do right now with the current technology is probably N64. So PlayStation and then 64 are probably yeah. going to be made, but you're not going to be able to see anything like you, uh, uh, PS2 for probably a decade. What's up? Have you seen the new analog portable device that's uh, on the horizon? Uh, no, analog. no, I've seen the I've seen the um, the Game Boy one from Hyperkin, and that is awful. No, there's one um, that Analog is working on. It's an FPGA that'll run, um, I want to say it'll run like 16-bit era games, uh, and it'll run uh, portable devices. I don't know if it does Game Boy Advance, but it does all the Game Boy, and it does um, the Game Gear, and all of it is through FPGA. But it also has a second FPGA that is just, it's just open. So like third party developers can use that for whatever they want. And I think that's going to be really interesting because it also has like a switch dock capability. So it's a Game Boy form factor normally, but you can also dock it and then it goes up on a TV and you can use a Bluetooth controller with it. That's cool. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, like I don't know how much it's gonna be, but that's probably gonna be the first like emulator device like 
that's that's for hardcore emulator emulator people that i'm gonna pick up because i've got the rg350 obviously but it's just a little linux powered game boy basically i have a hyper i have a retron 5 and it's okay it's just it's not i would prefer the the way that analog goes about it but the problem with analog stuff and i know you probably know what i'm gonna say is the price yeah they're just they're they're too much money uh a lot of the time they they are like and that that's always been my hold up is like i'm not gonna pay i'm not gonna pay more than like 150 dollars tops for something that can only play like two console but if it, it with something like that where it not only can it do like every handheld device like at least from game boy color uh time uh but then if it can also do like a bunch of other game consoles with that i'd be more willing to pay like 250 300 for that because it's all hardware emulation so i know it's going to be perfect yeah that's the main, thing is... the main thing with emulation <laughs> at least in the 16-bit era is uh the sound emulation is always bad uh it's, it's gotten it's substantially better than what it was whenever i was younger like you don't have the fucking doot 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 thing with uh genesis games anymore that's that's but. the problem like super nintendo has been good for a long time uh yeah the the genesis though they they did not do well on that but ah well no, nobody could reverse engineer the ym 2612 i guess i guess not you, you know the the coolest thing i think about the genesis is that I think the sound was it the sound chip? It was either the sound chip or the graphics chip was the main chip on the the master system, and so that's why you can have master system backwards compatibility. I think it was the the processor. Yeah. So they they well it, yes I think the processor from the master system, but I don't think that the processor. Like, they obviously upgraded the processor from the Master System to oh, the wait. Genesis. Are you talking about that, or are you talking about um, talking about the Game Gear? Nope, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Genesis. Uh, Genesis? One, of, one of the chips in the Genesis is the same as the, like, the main processor in the Master System, and that's why when maybe you get like, that converter, maybe. you can use it to play Master System games. It was like the DSP or something. I know what you're talking about. It is like a coprocessor yeah. in there. Because, yeah, the sound chip is the YM2612, and that's a totally different beast from what's in the Master System. Right. So did you play any other games? I know you were you were talking a lot about Ancestors. Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't played that in about a week because um, I'm, like, right at the end, and I was kind of starting to get burned out on it considering I played it for 65 hours pretty much constantly yeah um so i'm gonna probably finish that this week because i just want to know what the last uh evolution is that, then, I'm that gonna, makes sense. then i'm gonna probably uninstall it because there's not a whole lot of replayability to it in my mind uh, at least not right now maybe I, maybe in a couple years i look forward to watching you play that at the end and it's your guy just stands up and then puts on a maga hat <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing I really, like Part of, part of me wants there to be some kind of really fucking like mind blowing ending to that game, and I know it's not really gonna happen. No. It's, it's just gonna be like you become whatever was prior to Homo Sapiens, and like that's gonna be it. What like, was there was a there was a 
uh, a game like that for the the SNES, like Evo or something like that? It's like two hundred bucks. Yes, actually, but it was funny because I was doing all this the retro gaming on my TV uh, through the Apple TV, and uh, she she was like, "Wait, do you have every SNES game?" I'm, yes, you have Evo, and I was like, "You mean the one where you're like a fish and then you like evolve and shit?" Like, yeah. And then I was like, yes. So I played that a bit. Uh, it's a really good game. There's a yeah. sequel that uh, no one's played because I think it was only in Japanese for a really, really long time. And there was a, there was a translation put out a couple years ago. Called Seaman for the Dreamcast. No. <laughs> However, Seaman for the Dreamcast also has a sequel on the PS2. Uh-huh. That is also only in Japanese. And I don't think it's possible to do a translation of that, considering you'd have to be able to speak in Japanese. That would be amazing. Uh, just that's, learn that's Japanese. My that's my end goal. I've been learning Japanese for the last like month and a half, like pretty steadily. My, oh, my end goal in like 10 years when I'm finally fluent is to go back and play all the Japanese games that will never get translations. Yeah, it's, that's sad. It's really sad. Anyway, uh, are you done? Done with games? Yeah, I've been, uh, we've been going for like 20, 30 minutes, uh, not saying anything important. So, Set, so that's, We're going to go for another hour, and uh, nothing will change. So let's move on to me. Nathan Reeton's Ruth. You can find me at Reeton everywhere. Uh, you can also find me on a road.website, but Reeton on Twitter, Reeton on Twitch, uh, Reeton on YouTube. I actually have something planned. Uh, the The plan will not be posted for about a month or two, but I'd have something planned for YouTube and I have yet to tell uh pretty only two people know about the plan. Uh I so, don't even know about it. Yeah, Roa seriously doesn't know about it. Uh and I think it's really good. I'll tell him afterwards. But uh yeah. So YouTube stay you know, subscribe. I, I will have some stuff up there here in a, a month and a half or two. And then uh, you can go to my, my website, reetonentertainment.com, which I totally did not steal the name from Aroa. And I'm sad that I didn't do reeton.entertainment, but whatever. You can find this podcast either on that website in the podcast section, or you can just go to Reeton Podcast um, and, and, and do that. That'll be, you could subscribe. I'm on Spotify. Anyway, uh, games I played this week. I played some more of the new... Binding of Isaac expansion and it's hard. It's really hard. Um, but but maybe it's because I haven't played Binding of Isaac in a year or so. Uh, but it is it's more difficult than the the previous iterations of Binding of Isaac, which is it's good. I I like Binding of Isaac, so I'll just continue playing it until I get uh better or unlock better things that make me better at the game. Uh, I played some more Greedfall again. Uh, feel feel very bad because I'm white and the the game is all about colonization and stuff and you're just like you know I wasn't there right uh so it's it's good it's a good game and then uh, I recommend if, if you have game pass uh, download it play it it's definitely worth it it's a pretty game uh as I said a couple weeks ago the the faces are really weird uh because you don't real like none of your face moves when you talk except for your mouth, uh, which is just it's really disturbing. Uh, but but you get over it. The environments are yeah, really, said it was really like pretty the, though. It reminded you of the, the Conan O'Brien sketch thing. 
Yeah, yeah, the Conan O'Brien thing where they would like put a picture of somebody and just the mouth would move. Yeah, exactly like that. Uh, but it's it's a good game. I like it. Uh, I give it a, a solid seven out of ten. I think I, I'm pretty close to the end. I should be able to finish it this week. And then I played. I got into the beta of Crowfall, which is an MMO that is being developed. And I there's like three different modes you can play. Uh, two of which I think are like PvP modes, and one that's like your standard MMO. And I have to say that the standard MMO is not not very good. It's very much just run to this place, talk to this person, kill some things, run to the next place. It's the game is pretty much strictly based around the the PvP aspects of the game. And I guess every like two months or so, like the world resets, and then you got to build up your your forces again. I something like that. It's really weird, but I haven't played it very much. I have about so the beta that I got into because I didn't purchase the game. If you purchase the game, you get full access to everything that's being made uh, forever, obviously. And if you get into the beta by selection process. They will only allow you uh, to have 30 days of game time. So hmm. uh, I only have like another 20 something days of game time left, but I'll probably play it. I might try the PvP modes, but I have I have a feeling that's gonna go very poorly. Also, uh, the there's not a lot of people playing. In I think the most populated server, there was like 50 people which is not a lot of people to that, play an MMO. That's, uh, that's like barely multiplayer. And like, may, maybe maybe I wasn't on at a very populated time. Uh, you know, Friday night at 6 p.m. That's that's not a high time for playing video games, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no one does that. What? <laughs> um, but yeah, so no, you got to play are... on a Tuesday morning. Oh, I will. Uh, I might. I might be able to do that here soon. I might be able to play anytime. <laughs> so let's move on and talk about some stories. We actually have a lot of stories this week. Uh, this one, I, I, I looked at, and I don't really care, but I specifically chose it because of Aroa, Deadly Premonition Two, coming to PC in 2021. Thank, piss. So uh, you, I was, you, cause it you, initially only came out on switch, right? Uh, I totally know that. Um, <laughs> yes, it was, it was initially a switch exclusive title, um, good. which was kind of disappointing after the first one was on pretty much everything eventually at least, and was really, really good. And I'm sorry. I just like, kind of fallen off of the the love train for the switch i just don't care about it anymore i still like it but if if i can get it's with any console if i can get a game on my pc i'm gonna do that yeah um like i i i would rather wait a year you know for a game to come out on uh, on my pc rather than play it on on switch even if it's on a tv like it, for no real reason like I don't, I'm not really like, I don't care about the graphics, especially in Deadly Premonition, where the 
the first game looked like a goddamn Dreamcast game. So, well, it was on the PS2, wasn't it? No. Oh, what was it no, on? No, it was not. It was. Uh, I think it might have come out on 360. Oh, so yeah, the graphics weren't very good on that game. No. So no, the the whole thing felt like a Dreamcast game. Like looked and everything uh yeah it was uh yeah ps3 and, and pc so it says uh, here uh, we're reading a dist- uh, there's a destructoid article and it's linked down below uh it says the long-awaited sequel was mostly mauled upon release with critics panning its poor voice acting rudimentary visuals and terrible frame rate so nothing has changed yeah yeah no <laughs> like yeah the, the first game um had a lot of that same stuff. Yeah, like it was not I look at it and I don't like those types of games anyway, really. And just with all the jank that's in it, I am I it's not my my cup of tea, but a lot of people really like it for some odd reason, including Aroa. Uh, it's basically Twin Peaks the video game. That's why. Yeah. It it does a fantastic job of taking the feeling of Twin Peaks and it's obviously very strongly inspired by it and, and wears that like right around its fucking neck. I know that the, t- that the, the phrase is on, on its sleeve, but no, it's, it makes it much more obvious than that. Yeah. Like it is, it doesn't even try to pretend, um, but it does its own thing too, which is cool. Um, that, that said, uh, Apparently the storyline in, in the sequel isn't as good, so that's kind of sad. But at least now I'll more than likely try it. And hey, maybe the maybe the frame rate issues will be fixed a little bit because it's not gonna it, it'll still be shit optimized, but it'll be, you know, on uh on PC. So like the draw distance won't completely trash everything. Cause like if you watch the gameplay footage, it's obvious that this is running in like Unreal Engine 4 or something and like the switch can just barely handle what what they're doing without bringing in the draw distance a ton and having like the just the the most obvious LOD possible. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what they did with the uh, Silent Hill games, right? Our they world. just added a bunch of. Well, no, I was gonna say, uh, in, on the PlayStation, uh, in order oh, to yeah. overcome that limitation, they're just like put a lot of fog. Just don't yeah. draw anything. Yeah, and... that. Uh... And they they kind of did something like that in the first one, where they just basically just made uh, the entire city completely barren. Um, but I guess they they wanted to have a ton of trees in the sequel, judging by this gameplay. That was and that kind of ruined. Oh God! Oh the oh the mouth movements. Mouth <laughs> movements are bad. Oh, I bet I bet. So I that I had a job at Sony for a little bit, um, and I went and I spoke with the director of the game and i was like why do you have a bubsy 3d cardboard cut out in your office and he was like oh yeah it was uh that was the first game we worked on and i was like ah shit <laughs> and he was like you know the the thing was before the game was released um and you have to think this was this was in the early 90s so before the game was released they had a pretty good draw distance in the game it showed a lot and the 
they're, they're like, we were actually getting some, uh, you know, good coverage where people were saying that the graphics actually looked pretty good uh, because of the draw distance and kind of like the polygon count and stuff. And then he's like, yeah. And then like a month later, uh, Crash Bandicoot released and that kind of, <laughs> that kind of screwed us over. So. Which, if you, if you know much about the development of, uh, of the the Crash Bandicoot game, uh, you know that uh, they kind of cheated. So they they yeah they cheated and it was it worked apparently. <laughs> yeah, so it worked good. really well. Yeah, it did. So let's move on to our next story. Uh, oh, this is sad. I decided to use your link uh, instead of my link because your link was not TechCrunch and I don't like TechCrunch. Just their layout sucks. Uh, yeah. So LG. Is uh is getting out of the mobile phone business, which is sad, honestly. It is unfortunate. Uh, we do kind of we need continued competition in the mobile phone market. But that said, do you remember what their last phone was? The the Wing, right? That was the one that like. Mm-hmm. So it was two phones stacked on top of each other. <laughs> uh, yeah. And and you would flip the screen out, kind of like the uh, the T-Mobile, what was Sidekick. it called? Sidekick, the T-Mobile Sidekick. Yeah. And so it would form a, like a, a a T, and so you would have one that was was horizontal and one that was vertical. But the vertical one, you only had like half the screen. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate the design. I really it's don't. Just like, I I can't imagine why they haven't been successful in the mobile market, though. You know, I don't. I don't like... know. I don't get it. <laughs> I the I watched a video on on it, and the guy was like, "The problem with LG is that Sony, or I'm not. I'm sorry, Sony. Uh, Samsung has like their profitable line of phones, right? They have the S." 20 the s21 the notes like they have those and those are the standard like these are a slab they have slightly better specs you buy this phone but then they have their experimental division where like they have the galaxy fold they know that they're not going to make any money off of the galaxy fold phones right like they're not going to recoup that cost but they have their other sections uh like the s20 and the the notes and all that that are going to make the money. So they're able to take those leaps and do those crazy things with the fold and stuff. LG didn't have a normal phone line that made them a lot of money. Their line, their only line of phones was the stupid experimental stuff like the wing. <laughs> yeah, like they, and it's so weird too. Cause they, they for so long were kind of like, they were in the same league. I feel at least as Samsung. Yeah. Or like they they put out decent bog standard phones that like maybe they had a cool innovation here and there like oh we put the volume rocker and the power button on the back where your finger sits instead of on the side. Like hey, that's that's an all right idea and it's not going to not going to throw you off too much and at the end of the day it's still just a normal phone. They well like but, here's the thing, but they were the first ones to have 3 a uh, 3D camera. They were the first one to uh, implement an ultra wide camera. They were the first ones to have a telephoto camera. 
Like they yeah. were, they did a lot of things first that ended up becoming industry standards later on. And like they, they also, they had that, that short stint where they were like, uh, what if we have accessories for phones where like they, you pop off the bottom and there's like a swappable battery or like you can have a, an improved camera module and stuff like that. And like, it was all really cool, but like they, they didn't really make it succeed. Every and... time a company does that, it doesn't work out. The, the module <laughs> thing, because uh, Moto, Motorola did that too. Years ago, when I was still working at Consumer Cellular, they they had that, and it was bad. It just, like, there were, like, two or three modules that came out for it, and that's it. Like, and I believe same thing with the the LG one, one of them, which is a camera one, where you hold it and press the button. Like, it's just, it wasn't really worth it, right? Yeah. So... And and like with that the LG one that that was modular uh you had to turn the phone off to swap out anything oh so, it wasn't hot swap no what the fuck so it kind of like defeated the purpose in a lot of cases like you had to know beforehand that like oh i'm going to need the fancy camera today like cuz by the time you power the phone off swap the part out and then power it back on, whatever you were going to take a picture of is gone, or it's, like, really awkward now. Yeah. Um, it's a stupid idea. The, well, not a stupid idea, but it's just stupid execution. Yeah, poor poor implementation of a good idea. They are working... I mean, LG is not going out of business. They are just going to no, be focusing... No, they're just going to be focusing mainly on their other things, like making displays and stuff. So, good for them. I guess sad that we're losing uh we're losing a phone provider but I don't think I've ever owned an LG phone uh and I've just stuck with the Pixel line recently like the last 5 years I've just had Pixels and you do yeah. you do uh uh I'm, the I'm Apple phones phone. yeah Apple phones yeah um, uh yep which is like, fine uh, my my wife had an LG phone but the last LG phone she got which, you know, now that I think about it, was probably like the the big killer for them. Uh, it it was one of those phones where the volume rocker was on the back and all that. Um, but it was one of the ones where it would eventually, and it was pretty much guaranteed, eventually just go into a boot loop and would never fully power on. Did it do that for her? Uh, yeah. Oh, good. And it did, did that for her. It did that for my stepdad. Um, I, I f feel like there might have been a class action lawsuit over it, actually. Interesting. Interesting. Because like, it happened with almost every single one of them. All right. So we should move on to our next story. Uh, who wants to talk shit about Facebook? I don't think. Uh, well, I guess it doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> it does. Uh, yes, it does not matter. Uh we and he, and here's the thing I can't there's the not that I'm a journalist but there's like journalistic integrity right like you need you can't not talk about something just because you are involved with that company so uh, unless you want to have your journalistic integrity messed up so 
my journalistic integrity says that integrity says this is bullshit. Facebook did not hire black employees because they were not a culture fit report finds. So you're the one who brought this up. Uh, can you just do a little bit of an explanation about what happened here? So basically, um, there have been numerous reports from black applicants to Facebook that they have been pretty much specifically told by the hiring manager that was interviewing them. Hey, uh, you know, you are, you are perfectly capable of working this job. You're actually just a, a good fit for the position, but we're not really sure that you'll fit the culture. And, and so they've just been using this culture fit uh, excuse to not hire black people specifically. Um, and there was, uh, in the article, they mentioned that there's, there was an HR person, uh, who left Facebook and made a statement that like, yeah, uh, there's just a systemic issue with hiring managers that don't hire black people and they will always use this, this supposed culture fit, uh, criterion that is not in any of their hiring documentation. Like there's nothing that says that you should turn someone down because you don't think they're going to fit the culture or whatever. Um, and really like, th so the culture fit thing is not a new thing. It's not something that has, that hasn't been brought up with other companies before, but it's usually something that I think is meant to refer to like, if you're, you come across as an asshole, basically like, yeah, you may be qualified for it, but the way that you present yourself makes it seem like you're not going to last at this company because you're probably going to get in a fist fight with somebody in the break room kind of thing. Or like, yeah, you're, you're qualified, but the way that you describe your work ethic and your interactions at previous jobs doesn't sound like you actually give a shit. And I'm not going to hire you because of that. Can, can I tell but, you? Can I, can I tell you a little story that I know? What's it? Um, yeah, it has to do with it has to do with a place that I used to work called Consumer Cellular. And I had a <laughs> yeah. I had a manager. And after I left, um, they 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 screwed him over quite a bit. But they would do these weekly meetings that were only for the campus that he worked on. Uh, and so they would have these weekly meetings, like hold times were super long and he just wanted to be there to support, uh, the people that he was, you know, overseeing. And then they would pull him for an hour or two to have these, these meetings every week. And so eventually he asks, he's like, so about these meetings that we're having, like, are these a company requirement? Like, or are they just for us? And they're like, oh, only our, our place is having them. And he's like, okay, so what you're telling me is that this is not a company requirement to have these these meetings with all the supervisors because white, right now hold times are super long and I'd rather be helping my team. And so I'm not going to come to these meetings since they are not a requirement of the overall company. And so he stopped going to the meetings and they fired him for not fitting the culture. Yeah, that's, um, yep. Yeah, that's that's how it goes. Unfortunately, I, a lot I, of a, a lot of these times, I was denied a job for a very similar reason, um, because 
I didn't fit with what they thought that my position should involve in terms of, uh, I guess, attitude, you could put it. Now, to be um, fair, Aroa was trying to be a personal trainer. <laughs> yeah, but no, it, it was it was a a pseudo supervisory role, and in the interview, I um I said that like what I strive for with subordinates, and I didn't use the term subordinates, but like that's really what it what it means. Minions, like yeah, what, what I strive for with my minions is I want them to be able to be self sufficient, and. Like I, I try to push for that because if they're self-sufficient, then that gives me more bandwidth to do things elsewhere. Uh, and they apparently didn't didn't like that because it was supposed to be more of a mentorship role, which is not what a leadership role means to me necessarily. But you know, I see. that's uh, that's why I wasn't wasn't placed in that position. And like, I, I understand that to some degree, but it starts to become kind of a problem whenever it seems like anybody who's not white comes in your office and you say that they're not good for the culture, and it makes it seem like you're maybe trying to create a culture of white people. Yeah. Um, which is kind of what was happening here. Yeah, uh, I could see that happening. It's it's a lot of times. Uh, I haven't seen it, obviously, where where I've worked, um, but I'm not. That doesn't mean that because I haven't seen it that it doesn't exist. So it it very well, well could you're, be. You're a white person and you've never been in a position of like real power in any company. That's true. But what I what I'm saying is like even from the hiring managers that I've known and from the recruiters that I've known, it's it it's probably not you know not all recruiting managers like it. They're not saying that it doesn't exist, but I'm saying that there are probably ones that they just need to fire. And, you know, work on making the criteria better uh, for the hiring managers. And also the whole culture fit thing is just bullshit anyway. Um, If you can do your job and and they know you can do your job, that should really be the determining factor. I I tend to agree. Like, I I don't think that me being an introvert, like, maybe makes me biased, but... I don't think you need to be able to be friends with your coworkers as long as you can do your job well. Like that's all that ultimately matters. Yeah, so, I'm an I'm an introvert like, too, but I I I'm pretty good at pretending. I'm I'm pretty good at faking it. I'm pretty good at at making people like at in a work situation like me. And one of the things that I've done is uh like there was a guy who was super grumpy. Super grumpy to everyone. Uh he managed all the inventory at a place that I worked. And I went to my boss. I'm like, dude, I think that this guy hates me. And my boss is like, nah, he's just like that with everyone. And then by the time I left there, I was like, hey, man, uh, you know, it's my last day to the inventory manager. Uh, and he's like, oh, you want a, want a big package of batteries? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I got, the, I got the inventory guy liking me. So I'm, I'm pretty good at that, um, making the people on the floor um, you know, acknowledge that, you know, I'm good at that. And, uh, a, a lot, honestly, if somebody looks at, at my background and the, and kind of the way that I, I interact with people, they probably wouldn't think that I was a culture fit for a lot of these places like Facebook or Google. Um, but I think that's a stupid criteria in general. Like if, if it doesn't matter 
what the color of your skin is. If you can do the fucking job, like hire the person. That's that's what yeah. I'm thinking. Uh, but problems like this are why they why we have diversity requirements in, exactly in some places. Like as much as I want to be like, yeah, it should be a a meritocracy whenever it comes to hiring people. You got too many assholes that fucking use their power for hiring to go. Eh, maybe just don't need so many brown people, you know? Like yeah, it's bad. And so that's why we have diversity requirements, which so, is good. Good job. Good Those job, are racists. So hopefully, uh, the people that are doing these things uh, will get massively laid off. So that would be that would be nice because you don't want racists to be the people that are determining who gets hired. Um, so let's move on to our next story, which actually has to do with video games. GoldenEye oh successor unofficially unlocked as free bonus inside another game. Um, the entirety of GoldenEye spiritual successor can be found inside of 2016's Homefront. And I don't know why they didn't just say the name of the game, because it, is, it, is it just Time Splitters 2? Yeah. So why didn't they just say Time Splitters 2 can be unlocked inside uh, Homefront? Because GoldenEye is more well-known and therefore will draw in more people because they're going to go, GoldenEye successor, why? It's just a new game? And then you just find out it's a PS2 game. I mean, I, from what I understand, Time Splitters is actually a really good game. Oh, it's a really good PS2 game. Uh, it says here, the story began with an offhand comment on Twitter this weekend from British programmer Matt Phillips, who has worked on the 2016 game Homefront the Revolution. Uh, as a nod to the Easter holiday, Phillips piled into a Twitter thread about long-lost Easter eggs inside of video games. And this was a doozy. He had a... He had put a fully playable native 4K port of Time Splitters 2 into a, the five-year-old game without anybody realizing it. That is awesome. Kind of like how. Of, oh, I'm going. Kind Sorry, of impressive. Going. <laughs> it's yeah, just it's like a, nobody, nobody noticed all these extra files in here, huh? Yeah, uh, nobody played Homefront Revolution. That's probably the reason why nobody noticed. Oh, right. Yeah. So it kind of reminds me of Goldeneye. Because you know there's a, a ZX Spectrum emulator within GoldenEye, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that video. Yeah, so I just think it's funny that they, they now have a GoldenEye successor in <laughs> Homefront Revolution. Now, now, has this cost you to go out and buy Homefront? <laughs> ha, has this, have you gone out and pirated Homefront? No, I haven't even bothered with that. Like, it's pretty cool that this is a thing. Um, I guess apparently in the base game, uh, there's an arcade cabinet that has like a level or two of, oh yeah, the first two levels are playable and only in single player. Um, but if you enter a cheat code uh, that requires a controller, even on PC, you enter the cheat code and then it unlocks uh almost all the content from the original Time Splitters 2. Yeah, so the the code it looks like the code is left trigger up, left trigger up, down, left trigger right, left or right trigger left, right trigger B, left trigger Y, left trigger Y, right trigger X, left trigger A and that will unlock the whole game. Huh. It looks like uh 
and that's pretty neat. I'm happy that they they finally released this. Uh, I guess it doesn't really matter because Homefront's been out forever. Do does that studio own own Time Splitters too? Because that would be really bad if they didn't. Um. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that, and I haven't really looked into it. Uh, maybe Time Splitters is owned by THQ Nordic, because uh, I think Homefront uh, Homefront is owned by THQ Nordic. So that that could be how this is not turning into a big legal affair. Um, that said, there is a chance that like THQ will release a patch that's like, ah, oh, we removed all that. So who knows? I I am going, acquisitions. Yeah, I am going to. If I ever make a game, I will have Bubsy 3D as an unlockable game. I will, <laughs> oh, ne- yeah. I will uh, not. THQ get to. THQ Nordic uh, owned Time Splitters at the time and then sold it to Deep Silver. But as we happened to go over, was it last week or the week before? Uh, they're like they're, they're like weirdly connected. Yeah, they're like they're probably just part of the same company. I think something like that. So it's it's an interesting way that goes about. But thankfully, again, uh, if you have home if you have Homefront Two: The Revolution, and you want to play a good game, apparently you can. Because yeah, you can times... even play it online. Um, that is the developer said that they ported the network stack to ride on top of Homefront the Revolution's co-op mode. So if you're able to hack the game uh, to mod in uh, arcade machines to the co-op maps, it will boot to the multiplayer menu so you could play co-op <laughs> that way. That is amazing. Let's move on. We're going to talk about a... A, a wireless company I've never heard of called Q-Link, Q-Link Wireless. And apparently, didn't we talk about like last week, Facebook had a giant thing that happened where they leaked a bunch, like millions of people's data. And now we have yeah. a wireless company doing the same thing. And it, it, with the wireless company, it's even more egregious because they are well aware that it is a thing and they haven't done anything about it. Because um, it's not, they're, it's kind of weird. They're not technically leaking the data. It's just that the way that the sign-in system for their mobile app works, uh, or at least worked, um, you can put in uh, the, your phone number, and that logs you into your account. Oh, I'm I'm trying to because I loaded up QLink Wireless, um, and I'm trying to see. Well, specifically their through their Hello are. Mobile game, uh, uh, Hello Mobile brand. Oh, okay. So QLink is the main brand, and then they have like MVNOs that run off them, or yeah. I assume they I... are an MVNO. Yeah, QLink itself is an MVNO, and then Hello Mobile is a brand underneath that MVNO. So uh, they're uh, they're really going for it. I see that. Yeah. So they're, they're targeting specifically poor people because uh, mm-hmm. I see that. Yeah, they they mainly provide phones uh, that are government subsidized, uh, and they they provide to low income consumers through the FCC's Lifeline program. Yeah, then uh, that's what I'm reading about right now. It says QLink Wireless is a leading provider of Lifeline, 
a free government benefit program that offers free cell phone phone <laughs> free cell phone service to eligible Americans. Qlink gives qualifying customers free monthly data, minutes, and unlimited texting. Qualify through programs like Snap and Medicaid, or based on your household income. So that's cool. I mean, yeah. Not cool that they, you know, leaked a bunch of people's data, but uh, the Lifeline program seems pretty nice if you're poor. Uh, it says bring your phone service and get free service. Free 4.5 gigs of data a month, free unlimited talk and text, and no hidden fees ever. So you can get, that's pretty good, unlimited talk and text and 4.5 and gigs of data yeah. on your phone. Like I, yeah, I would do that if I were poor. <laughs> probably probably not through Q-Link Wireless. I'd probably find another Lifeline su supplier. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so what, what happened here was um, basically this has been going on uh, for a while. Uh, you, can, you put in your phone number on the Hello Mobile app, and it will pull up your first and last name, your home address, your phone call history, text message history, uh, your phone carrier account number, which you would need to port the number, uh, your email address, and the last four digits of your payment card associated with your account. Um, wow. And you can, you can put uh, anyone's phone number in as long as they're a Hello Mobile subscriber, uh, which according to Q-Link Wireless, uh, they had like 2 million customers uh, in 2019, so that could have gone up since then. Um, yeah, so that there were complaints levied against the company for this, um, and the company just kind of ignored it. And then sometime after uh, Ars Technica got a hold of this story, uh, and the the writer contacted the QLink Wireless CEO, um, they updated the there's something on a server somewhere and now the app just doesn't work anymore. Oh, well that's good. At least they, they made it so that the <laughs> app doesn't work, but it does say here, uh, I'm looking at this, this, uh, review. It says the app works fine, but it doesn't seem to have any security. All it asks is for is my phone number. And, uh, um, yes, all it asks for is my phone number and takes you in. This is very insecure and anyone can, uh, get on my account and make changes. This is very bizarre. Can the developer make the necessary changes? And the developer response was, thank you so much for your suggestion. Feedback from users like you helps us. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, the same thing happened. There was another one, same basic, same concept. Like, hey, uh, the Hello Mobile SIM is inserted in the phone, uh, and I can see everything uh, by using this app. And it says, thanks for letting us know about this. Please email support at mymobileaccount.com, including your phone number, and our support team will be happy to help you. So like, like they're not even looking at what's being said, and they're just doing yeah. generic responses. This is, this is obviously just exploitation of poor people yet again. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of fucking gross. Like... I'm I'm glad that this Ars Technica article came out because it means that at least that that is going to be cut off. It does uh, look like, according to some security firm, that uh, none of the data in the accounts was used anywhere. 
uh, probably because it's such a small company that no one even knew that it existed, let alone that this exploit was a thing. Yeah. But uh, at least it's not a thing anymore. Yeah. So, so but that's good. Yeah. It's, uh, do, do your research on the company that you're going to sign up with for a mobile service. Uh, make sure that they actually have a login for getting into your account. Cause, uh, wow. And that, that also, uh, lines up with, with another stance that I have, which is that we really need to stop using phone numbers for authentication, you know? Yeah. We've, we've spoken about that. I, I mean, I kind of like it and I kind of don't. Because at least it is another label, uh, another level of authentication. But uh, like a Google Authenticator app is way better. Uh, that and like SIM hijack attacks are a thing and have been a thing for a while. It yeah. can happen to anybody. They can. Somebody just has to want your your info bad enough. So let's uh, let's move away from that for two factor. I like the I like two different types. I like the token where it's like a YubiKey or a, you know a lot of MMOs have their own token. Like I have a Final Fantasy fourteen uh, security token that is linked to my account. I like that or just like the app on your phone. I like both of those types where it's either hardware or software-based. And I think hardware-based is better uh, for security, but I, I get it. You don't want to have a hardware token for every single site that you go to, right? Yeah. So it's way better to have just a, a software thing like Google Authenticator or Authy that you go through. Well, that and and like with the hardware tokens, if it does get exploited, uh, like uh, something happened with Battle.net a few years ago and a bunch of their the serials for their hardware tokens got leaked or something. And they basically had to disable a bunch of people's hardware tokens because there's no way to change that. You can't change the random seed on the token after it's been shipped out. So if that gets invalidated somehow, you got to replace the whole thing. And that's not fun. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's move on. And we're going to talk about 139 different video games uh, (laughs) that will not be available anywhere after the PlayStation Store closes. Now, are we are we planning on actually reading through all these? Because I think that's overkill. Yes. I mean, I, it's up to you. I mean, you you know the answer to that question, Aroa. Yeah, you're just, we're going to read every single we, one. We always, we always read through all of the games. <laughs> we have to stick with it. We have to be consistent, Aroa. Uh, fine. Okay. So, ah. Uh, Okay, for so there are, are four different categories. There's a PSP, PS3, PS Vita, and then PS Vita and PS3 games. So I guess games that are on both PS Vita and they're cro- the PS3? They're cross-play. Oh, okay, okay. So the remember PSP that thing? Game, yes, uh, I remember that it wasn't used very much. Uh, so the PSP games that will not be available after the PlayStation Portable store is taken down is... Uh, there it starts with 101 Mega Mix, Ape Quest, Armored Core Lost Raven Portable, Armored Core Silent Line Portable, and Armored Core 3 Portable, which is sad because I really like the Armored Core games. Um, we got Beats. Have you ever played Beats? It sounds like a rhythm game. Uh, I don't recognize it. 
Well, it looks like you should get that pretty soon. Uh, Black Rock <laughs> Shooter, the game. Brandish the Dark that. Revenant. Oh, good. Brandish the Dark Revenant. Carnage Heart. Uh, Cho Aniki oh. Zero. I have played Beats, by the way. Oh, good. I hope it's I hope it's a good game. It's mediocre. Uh, Cladden. This is an RPG. That's the yeah, name that... of the game. Yeah, that's uh that's a Nipponichi game and it's actually pretty good. Oh. Creature Defense, Crimson Room Reverse, Decidia. Oh my goodness. Decidia 012 yeah. Prologues Final Fantasy. That is shocking. Yeah. That. Well, uh... I think that's that's like a demo version of Decidia. Oh, okay. Uh so like it's not a huge deal. Excuse uh... me, I have to I have to back away from my mic for this one. Go. Portal uh <laughs> puzzle. Uh, uh, do, do you recognize Crimson Room, by the way? I do. I do not. Do you remember the Crimson Room Flash game? I don't. I never played it's a it. Little escape room game. It, it's pretty much the classic escape room flash game that kind of started the escape the room craze back in like 2010 or whatever. That is amazing, and yeah. it sucks that I I don't like that any of these games are getting. I don't like that they're turning off the store in general, but still. Um, we got Gravity Crash Portable, Hot Shot Shorties, Hot Shots Shorties, Blue, Green, Red, and Yellow Packs. I am an air traffic controller, Airport Hero Tokyo. Uh, <laughs> Kurulin Fusion, Loco Roco, Midnight Carnival, Neo Geo Heroes Ultimate Shooting, No Heroes Allowed, Numb Blast. Patchwork Heroes, uh, Piotama, Savage I think Moon. I played that. Savage Moon, the here, the Hera campaign. Sorry, um, Super Stardust Portable. Oh, that's uh, I love the Super uh, Stardust games. Yeah, like that. That was like one of the first things that came out on PS3. That was like, whoa, the power of the PS3. Yeah, Susume Tactics. <laughs> Sounds so, so genuinely enthused by that. I have no idea what that game is. Um, Talkman Travel Paris, Talkman Travel Rome, and Talkman Travel Tokyo, and that Thexter Neo Thexter. Is that how you say uh, yeah. that? Yeah, I guess so. Thexter. Yeah, uh, Neo. So out of those games, there's only a couple that I think are really worth playing but they're all worth i mean i i, I think that they're all, they're worth, all preserving. worth preserving exactly yeah uh thankfully with psp games i think that um they are preserved on websites already <laughs> yeah if you know what i mean preserved on uh home servers in some places already exactly so let's go through <laughs> the the big one, the, the the big boy of them, the PlayStation 3. Uh, I don't think that there's going to be a lot of... There's not going to be like any AAA games in here, but there are going to be some games that are going to be sad to see go. There are two uh, things in here that I am like, that sucks, but we'll get to it. Armageddon Riders, Blast Factor, Bomberman Ultra, Carnivores, Dinosaur Hunter HD... Catan, which is, uh, is that like Settlers of Catan, I assume? Yeah, I mean, that must be like the PS3 version of Settlers yeah. of Catan. 
uh, Comet Crash, Crash Commando, Datura, eat them. So that's them. the first one. Oh, Datura. Do you know what Datura is? I have absolutely zero idea. So uh, the other one is like halfway down. It's Linger in Shadows. Datura and Linger in Shadows were both demo scene uh, things that were created by uh, like like um you know you know the crazy animations that play sometimes uh, at least with the older key gens and like old cracked software and stuff yeah where like it's like a 2k file but it does all this crazy wacky animation shit um the these those two bits of software i can't call them games really were made by demo scene groups um they're they're fascinatingly like intense and really really showcase what the ps3 is capable of like as a demo scene game should um and it really sucks that there's not going to be any way to experience these anymore um and well like well you know you know what i mean yeah like (laughs) but like that blows that like there's no legal way of doing it yeah that's true um the next game was eat them uh, I didn't yell that one. I apologize. It has an exclamation at the end, though. Uh, is this Echo Echo Chrome Two? That's surprising because Echo Chrome was like huge on the PS3. Yeah, Funky Lab Rat, Hamster Ball, High Stakes on the Vegas Strip Poker Edition. What uh, will we do without a poker game? I know, right? High velocity or a bowling a bowling game. <laughs> infamous festival of blood certainly that'll get like re-released in a collection eventually right they, definitely that's definitely gonna the, like the ps5 they're gonna be like hey you got all the infamous games on a disc yeah with all absolutely. the dlc uh yeah. kung fu live the last guy uh what is I this lega leganista leganista legacista legacista uh the one that you already mentioned no linger yeah i don't know uh, one you already mentioned, Linger in Shadows. Oh, it's another Nipponichi game. Oh. Like Lu- it is. Lumens? Lumines? Luminous. Supernova. Luminous. Yeah. You remember Supernova. Luminous? I vaguely do. I never really played it. Supernova. Um, that, was, uh, that was the PS3's answer to Tetris. And it wasn't as good as Tetris. No, not at all. But it was kind of no. cool. Magic Orbs. Magus. Nova Strike. Just just Pain. That's the name of the game is Pain. You didn't play Pain? I did not play Pain. Uh it was a 3D version of those old like launch the guy games. Oh, I I like, like you, the you I like the one what? that they released on the phone which was uh how high can you toss your phone? <laughs> Which yeah, pain, was... pain was great. Pain was also the reason that my hacked PS3 was no longer hacked because my mom wanted to play it. No, um, but it was a really, it was a really cool game and it was fun. Like you just launched a, you launch your character off, and then you tried to get as high of a combo as you could by like just ramming them into stuff, That's and you fun. could play as like there were a couple of celebrities, and also Buzz from the 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 Sony trivia game. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. We also have uh, Pixel Junk 4AM, 
Pixel Junk Racers, Planet Mini Golf. That sounds like no. an awful planet. No, not a mini golf game. Punisher, No Mercy, Rain, Savage Moon, Spelunker yeah. HD. I remember when Rain was like, like, Rain was like one of the big E3 reveals. I I want to imagine the next game is just a prostitution game called Super Rub-A-Dub. You don't remember Super Rub-A-Dub? No. Uh, that was like a launch title for the PS3. It was oh. like, it was digital only. Uh, and it, like, it was barely more than a Flash game, honestly. <laughs> but I, that, but it, it's not shocking, no. It showed off, like, look, we've got ducks in a, in a tub, and... They're they're floating around and gotta don't fall in don't don't go in the holes or something like that. Yeah. Supersonic acrobatic rocket powered battle cars. I for some reason that, that name sticks out as something that 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 might have been popular at some point. R- really? I, that's that's the prequel to Rocket League. Uh, I was make I was I was going along with the joke. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going along with the joke. No, yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna be like, what? No, no one would ever, no one would ever play a game with that title. It's not, it's no, a bad. Not a no. They gotta. They just gotta shorten it. They gotta shorten that and um. Maybe just like. No. Maybe just take out all the words except rocket, and then uh, and then we'll get the League of Legend kids by just calling it League. Exactly. You know? Perfect. Sounds good. So tales from space. About a blob, uh, trash panic, and wakeboarding HD. <laughs> Wait, is that like a PS One classic that was remastered or I, something? I have no idea. Just <laughs> a wakeboarding game. There are a lot of Vita games that are going to be gone. There are Duh. like there were you know <laughs> quite a few PS Three games, but there are a ton of Vita games that are going to bite the dust. Uh, starting with Battle Rockets. Secondly is Body Check. Then we just have, excuse me, Boss! Um, break Break Quest Extra Evolution, which is actually an EverQuest. Uh, it's not. I have no idea what Break Quest is. <laughs> um, Chrono Vault. Coconut Dodge Revitalized. I'm not yelling this one, but it's Die, Die, Die. Die, die, die. Oh, this one's sad. Earth Defense Force 2017. Portable. Yeah, it's, it actually, like, it's a surprisingly competent uh, port of Earth Defense Force to a mobile device. Uh, equal, equilibrium. Floating Cloud God Saves the Pilgrims. HD. <laughs> I love the I love names of video games. They're so stupid sometimes. <laughs> Uh, Flying Hamster HD. Um, Frobisher says it was a WarioWare game. Oh, it was actually pretty fun. And it um, used it was like one of three games on the Vita that actually used the back uh, touchpad. I know the uh, the 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 blah, 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 blah. I know that the Uncharted game also used the touchpad on the back. That doesn't surprise me much because they they were pushed to like try to use yeah. as much because you could also like use the touch screen to jump from 
rope to rope and all that good stuff. Yeah, you know, uh, you know what, the uh, that game was was made by Ben Studio, actually. I know. I and know <laughs> one time, so there was a there was a guy who was like, "Hey, I have a giant box that's missing because we were moving studios, and there was a box that was not labeled." And so I had set it somewhere and was like, I have no idea where this goes. And so uh, the guy was like, hey, man, I'm missing a box of mine. It has like 300 copies of Golden Abyss. (laughs) And I was like, first off, I know where that's at. I I know where it's at. I know where I put it. But my second, secondly, I would like to know why. And the reason that someone has a box. So the reason why was that he was the writer for the game. And every single region that released the game, he got a free copy of. Oh no. So he just got like two to three hundred copies of Golden Abyss. (laughs) All sealed. I love that he just kept it at the office in a box. (laughs) <laughs> well well he he, just, he he had them well he had them on a shelf but we were moving offices so he put them all into oh, a box okay. and so <laughs> the way that the way that you told it made it sound like he was like hey where's my where's my golden abyss box <laughs> like, <laughs> my giant box of golden abyss uh <laughs> i bring everywhere i go yeah <laughs> so uh next one is uh i ferments <laughs> it's a game about furries, I assume. The HD talk adventure- about games with great names. The HD Adventures of Rotating Octopus Character. <laughs> Indoor Sports World. Jungle Rumble Freedom Happiness and Bananas. <laughs> God, I love the Vita so much. What is this? Uh Kilka Card Gods. Knob Switch? I don't even want to know what that game is. <laughs> uh, Lemmings Touch? Actually, that's kind of surprising. Lemmings is a... is a Well, it used to be a very big game, right? Not anymore, but uh, that's that's interesting that they didn't release that anywhere else ever. It was uh, a touch game. Let's Fish Hooked On. Licky the Lucky Lizard Lives Again. <laughs> Magical Beast... Or I'm sorry, Magical, Magical beat, beat, not Beast. That's a good game. Yeah. Malicious Rebirth, Malia, Men's Room Mayhem. That's actually a, a wrestling game. I'm, I'm, I, <laughs> I don't think so. I have no idea what that is, but I'm assuming it's a brawler in a men's room? Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, okay, good. At least it's descriptive, and you know what, it, you know what the game's about. Uh, Monster Bag... Murasaki baby. Uh Nico Burrow Cat's Block. Ninja Us Oh my god. Usagimaru. Two <laughs> Tales of Adventure. Usagimaru. I think. No. Open me. That's it, that that was one of like three games on the Vita that used the AR capabilities that were actually really impressive for the time. God. Orgarhythm. Orgarhythm. That was a cool game. 
Is it? I yeah. I know. I'm pretty sure if any of the rhythm games come up, you're actually gonna be like, yeah, I know who that game is. Uh, yep. Pinball Heroes Complete, PlayStation Vita Cliff Diving, Fireworks, and Table Soccer. Those are all basically AR demo games. Yeah. Um, Poles AR, which I assume is another AR game. Yeah. Puzzles by Nicoli Five, or is it V? I assume it's Five. I think, I, think it's, by... I think it's Puzzle by Nicoli V, and then the title of the game is actually Slitherlink. Slitherlink and Sudoku. Sudoku. Um, Real Fishing Masters Challenge. Ring Run Circus. Oh, Run Like Hell? Uh, not to be confused with the PS2 game. Oh, okay, so it is a different game than the PS2. Okay. Yeah. Um, Sketch Sponsored Cross? by balls. <laughs> Sketch Cross. Um, Sokoban Next. Squares. Star Drone Extreme. Stranded, a Mars adventure. Uh, Sumioni. Demon Arts. It, you know what? You, you, that was respectable. <laughs> Thank you. Um... <laughs> Demon Arts, Super Stardust Delta, Surge Deluxe. Uh, then you have Table Ice Hockey, Table Mini Golf, Tabletop Racing, Tabletop Tanks. All of those are going away. And then the Hungry Horde, TXK. I'm, I assume that's not a word. I assume those are no. just TXK. Uh, Vitamin Z. Is that a zombie game? That's got to be a zombie game. Uh, I don't know. And then the last game is Z Run. That is a zombie game, though. Okay. So, are are any of those games you're sad to see go? Um. Well, it, similarly, Super Stardust Delta. Um, uh, that's just the Vita version of Super Stardust. But since it's on the Vita, you have the second analog stick, so it actually works really well. Um. Obviously not happy to see uh, any other rhythm games go because it's hard to find good rhythm games. Um, yeah, it is. Open Me uh, was, a like I said, really cool uh, implementation of the AR tech in the Vita that um, was ahead of its time, like way too ahead of its time. You know? Uh, but there's, there's a catch uh, with this list that I'll get to in a minute, but let's go ahead and do the cross-play games. And the cross-play games are Bentley's Hack Pack, Big Sky Infinity, Deathmatch Village, Doctor Who the Eternity Clock. That's interesting. I was Foos. really surprised that that was only on those, those systems. Foosball 2012. It's good that we're not going to have that game. It is the devil. Um... <laughs> Germinator, Gravity Crash. I think that's a good one, isn't it? Gravity Crash? I've heard that game. I've You're thinking of, of Gravity Rush. Oh, yes. Motorstorm RC, Ms. Germinator. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> uh, Germinator and his wife are both going to be uh, unemployed. Uh, Wait, but it's Ms. You can go by, you don't have to go by Mrs. You can just go by Ms. It's ambiguous. Maybe maybe they're nope. in an open relationship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Murasaki missed Akura, uh, Akara's journey. 
and then when Vikings attack. So what's up with the what's up with the three or with the Vita games? You said there was a, a catch with that. So um, it's actually applicable to all of these. So the thing is, they did not include games on this list that had a physical release at some point. Right. Um, so while uh, it is true that there will be no way to legally play any of these games, this is not actually a complete list of games. Because particularly in the case of the Vita games and probably the PSP games, um, there are a number of them that aren't on this list that you're never going to find. Years. oh yeah oh yeah like you might be able to search ebay and find a copy of like little big planet on the vita or something like that but realistically the the only way you're going to get it is by pirating it once yeah. the shutdown happens and um honestly the list would probably be three to four times as long if they included all of the game because it's basically everything on vita all the rare uh, games pretty, yeah yeah I think everything on Vita had a digital release at some point. I don't, I think that was like part of the, the, like the, 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 the gimmick with the Vita was that that was like going to be their, their big push for digital distribution. Um, so like really you could include every Vita game ever on, on this list and, and it would be accurate. And uh, if you, and if you bought the PSP go, you are fucked. Yeah, no shit. Um, which I have a PSP Go, and outside of the screen being uh, a ghosty mess, a uh, very underrated device. You know, other than the fact that you had to buy yet another format of memory card to be able to uh, save shit on there. Did they allow it the uh, by allow? Did did the community end up being able to hack the Go? Oh well, I mean, it ran the same. It ran the same software as the standard PSP. So, yeah, like that's that was trivial. Uh, okay. I, like I, I seriously used to unironically carry around my Go like as my portable device. Like everyone else was carrying around a 3DS, and I brought a PSP Go to a convention once. Like silly, silly. <laughs> so silly. It's great. It's a. Gr it was a great device. Like I, what I'm most sad about with this. I think, you know, outside of obviously losing the games really sucks, but it kind of cements the fact that, you know, the, the age of the Vita is, is 100% over. Um, yeah. Like the community is going to slowly die off now. And that sucks because I want Sony to put out another portable portable device because I really, really think that they had some cool ideas here and there. The problem and... is it just didn't, it didn't make them money. So yeah, why, why? It, it was our own goddamn fault. I mean, we could rant about that forever, but you know, it blows. It does. Um, it does. At the, but at the end of all this, uh, the important thing is to pirate all of these. Yep. Um, I mean, you, you, somebody's got to keep this shit backed up somewhere. And at least with the current state of digital PS3 games, it is scarce. It, it's trivial to get uh, physical backups uh, or backups of physical releases, but digital games, they're very hard to come by with the PS2. And the same problem is probably going to happen with the Vita here soon. See, and, and this so. is why, this is why uh, when talking to you about like the, the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox series consoles, 
that I I if I'm gonna buy one, I'm gonna buy one with a disc. Because that way I can at least own the games and they're not gonna shut down the store at some point. Right? Yeah. And, and like, you know, it, the the apologist side of me says, well, as long as you buy these games now, you will always still be able to download. But we can't guarantee that. We know that re in reality, you'll be able to download them for at least the next five or six years, probably. But who knows when, if or when, they're going to turn off all of the legacy distribution, everything. Yeah. You know, and that's going to be really, really sad and really scary. But that's why we have to, we have to rely on communities to kind of do this stuff. Because... Otherwise, all of these would be completely lost forever. And I, I have little doubt that all of these games, it, like if not all of them, then most of them are going to be available on services like no pay station, uh, like immediately so that yeah. you can grab them before they're gone. Need to need to get that installed on my uh, my PS3 at some point in my life before the. Yeah, and by some point, I mean before all of this stuff breaks. So yeah, uh, yeah, we are we are done with this episode. I am going to go and uh, I don't know, might eat some chicken wings or something, and uh, then do some some Clinton's Core Classics. Thank you for being here, Aroa. No problem. We will see you all next week. Goodbye. Bye bye.